This is The Shakeout. My name is Joan Chung, and today we are speaking with Tina Muir. We had her on our show a few months ago, earlier in the spring, and now we are here to provide a big update. Sinead, what do we know about Tina Muir? She is an elite runner who has experienced amenorrhea, which for people who don't know is when a woman loses her period. So she actually dealt with that for nine years and she came out about it earlier this year, made it public and just kind of said that going forward, she was going to take a little bit of a break from running and that she eventually wanted to start a family. She is now pregnant, seven months. And so we just had her on the show to ask her about how her pregnancy has been going as well. She has started a community called Running For Real, and she has been working with other women who have had similar experiences as her. So we just wanted to know kind of how that's been going. Okay, Tina, so it's been uh, several months since we last spoke. Uh, Last time we had you on the show, you were talking about your experience with amenorrhea, which is when a woman loses her period. And so we sort of talked about your own experience and you gave advice to women who are currently dealing with that as it is something that comes up in the world of distance running quite a bit. Since then, though, a lot has happened. Got your period back and you're pregnant. So why don't you catch us up on the past few months? Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, thank you for having me back on here. And, um, you know, it's really enjoyable to kind of help people and um, do what I can. One correction I will make, which is just a technicality, but because you used that specific word, uh, it's actually a funny part of it is that, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I am now pregnant, Mm -hmm. but I didn't actually have a period. I never actually got to that point because I got pregnant on the first egg. (laughs) Right. So I actually skipped the bad part. So even though everything was working correctly and I would have had one had I, you know, not got pregnant on that first (laughs) first one. So it's kind of funny saying it that it will actually be by the time I actually get the you know, the actual um, not so nice side of the women's cycle Mm -hmm. uh, will be probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years. But yeah, I did managed to skip that part wow. so I did go straight on to getting pregnant but that I mean that in itself was incredible when we last spoke you know I was in that recovery phase and you know the, the fact it happened so quick I realize I am incredibly lucky that it happened that quickly and like that mm. but uh, at the same time it was a huge reward for me that the time and energy and uh like mental energy more than anything and weight I put on was all worthwhile and and thankfully mm-hmm. I've had other women recently have reached out and told me they did exactly what I said and they are now pregnant too or have their cycles back now too mm-hmm. so um you know it wasn't just me even though I realized I was very lucky but yeah I am now um seven months pregnant so yeah very excited and um looking forward to kind of taking this next step in my life. Wow. Congrats. So why don't you just kind of tell us for uh, people who are listening right now, how has the pregnancy been going so far? Yeah, yeah. So I do, I um, update, well, obviously my social media, and most people have that as, <laughs> in some capacity nowadays. Mm-hmm. I do have my social media. Instagram is usually the, the one I update the most, but I do also have my blog, which I update regularly. And um, I have a community called the running for real superstars, which I call them. Anyone can join. And I kind of keep them updated mm-hmm. on there on how things are going. So yeah, people do kind of know how how I'm coming along and I share the ups and downs of pregnancy. But um, 
yeah, I mean, how has it been going? Uh, the first three months were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I had very bad morning sickness, ended up in the hospital once, you know, with an IV drip or two IV drips just to get rehydrated again, as I couldn't even keep anything down. I mean, not even a sip of water, you know, a bite of mm. banana, nothing. So that was really bad. And they did put me on some medication, which I hated the idea of taking. But I knew that if I didn't take it, you know, I wasn't even sure I could make Mm it. And especially I didn't know if the baby could make it if I couldn't keep anything down. So I took that and that helped a lot. But it was still I still had a lot of nausea the first Mm -hmm. few months. And then since then, I've kind of been in that honeymoon phase. So Hmm. it's funny when you speak to people who say, oh, I just loved being pregnant. In that Mm -hmm. first trimester, I thought, what is wrong with you? Why would anyone ever say that? (laughs) <laughs> and then the last few months, I've kind of been like, yeah, actually, I I kind of get it. I quite like it. But then now I'm starting to reach the point where I'm slowing down and kind of getting back into the, the like everything feels uncomfortable and kind of the going down again. So there's been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, it's very similar, actually, to preparing for a race because, you know, you've got this big event coming. You've got to do what you can. Mm-hmm. You've got to stay calm and relax and just take everything day by day. So it's been actually kind of interesting to apply a lot of the things I learned running Mm -hmm. to this kind of journey towards being a mother. I liked how you were saying, you know, it was sort of the honeymoon phase or when you're understanding when women are saying, oh, yeah, being pregnant was so great. Why don't you kind of go into the positive elements of it from your own experience? You know, maybe for women who are just trying to get pregnant now or have have yet to sort of go down that uh, road. Why don't you sort of like give us the uh, the details a little bit? Yeah, it's funny, actually. My sister had a baby. Uh, she's well, her daughter is nine or 10 months old now. So before that, I was kind of in the same boat as many people, which kind of what you're asking me, like, don't really like I didn't really know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't really been around, you know, I'd been seen friends, babies, but that was like an hour and then you give them back and then, and then you know, see you later. Exactly. So it is interesting, like to me now, uh, having had my sister and going through this, it feels so like, oh, this is like old, old hat kind of thing. But actually it's not for a lot of people. And it wasn't for me before my sister. But yeah, so when it comes to running, that part is definitely different from the get go. Um, you know, you feel for me, it's been as if I feel like I've had a race the day before every day. So my legs are just dead. I don't know why it's me with me, my legs, particularly more than breathing being the part part that's uh, uncomfortable. I mean, it probably is because of the extra weight. But um, yeah, running wise is is a bit of a struggle. You have to go through this transition of overriding that competitive uh, uh, like thought in your head that, you know, oh, I see a guy up there, I want to catch him. Or, <laughs> you know, oh, I need to push myself or come on, you got to get going, hurry up. Like, mm-hmm. you have to listen to your body and slow down, go nice and easy. So that was a bit of a transition uh, that I didn't really, you, you know, logically, you would think in your head, okay, being pregnant, you're making a human, you have to slow down. And that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that was that that's the only thing that I would say was really very, very different was my approach and mentality towards running. You know, I was running 20 miles a week, three or four times a week of, you know, four to six miles Mm -hmm. and that's it. And being okay with that. But then the other, the good things, you know, uh, once you start to feel kicking, that's obviously the best part. I mean, everyone talks about that part, but feeling kicking is just, you know, one of the best Mm -hmm. feelings. And then just in general, you feel pretty good. You know, people are like opening doors for you everywhere, offering to carry things for you. So you kind of get treated very well, or like you can kind of ask for anything. Hey, can you 
can you go get me a drink? And people be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so you can kind of enjoy getting all the little perks that you might not get otherwise. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's just, you don't really notice things too much. I mean, you see your belly kind of growing and it's nice to think of what's happening in there, but then it's not really at the stage where it's affecting you in any way other than kind of, you know, at the beginning you feel just like you've got, you've eaten a bit too much and People are a bit awkward because they can't tell whether you've just eaten too much or whether you actually have a pregnant bump going on. But yeah, it's just a bit of a fun time, really. And it's it's very mm. refreshing to, as a woman, give your body some slack. And for me personally, I found being okay with things. I mean, as women, we're definitely not pressured, but there's a lot of expectation on how to look. And, yeah. you know, you need a flat stomach and you need to look like this, you need to look mm-hmm. like that. Whereas um, during pregnancy, you kind of give yourself that kind of, um, well, you know what, I'm making a baby and that's the most important Mm -hmm. thing. So it takes a lot of that body image stuff away, or at least it did with me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And what about in terms of your running and just your relationship with that? Like, as you said, you know, the first thing on your mind is my body is making a person right now. That's the first thing. But as someone who is really depends on their running and running is quite important to you, how has your relationship with running changed over the course of your pregnancy? I think for me, having taken three months off um, before I got pregnant, I came into it a little bit of a different angle to, I'd say, most people, because as I mentioned, your pace slows, you know, running is a lot harder. You get overheated so much easier. Mm -hmm. So um, you really like in the summer, you really struggle. But Mm -hmm. because I'd taken that time off, I came into pregnancy very out of shape. And then I started to actually just get a bit fitter by actually running again. So I started to get faster and feel better, whereas most people, it's kind of just a continuous downward slope. So, you know, for me at the beginning, I was very, very cautious. You know, I did not want my heart rate to go high at all. I was going, you know, as slow as I possibly could to um, make sure that I wasn't doing any damage or doing any harm. And, And so that was quite refreshing being able to just kind of not actually genuinely not care about what pace I was going because um, my mind was in the right place for, um, you know, this is more important to me. My mm-hmm. body has done its thing for running and it's achieved a lot. So whatever happens now, I'm going to give it some slack. But then I'd say in the middle, when you are starting to feel quite good, it can be quite easy to kind of slip back into the what ifs or, right. well, I wonder if I, you know, jumped in a race right now, what could I do? Or, you know, you start to get this kind of, um, pride thing going on like like I said about the man in front of you you know I might see someone and be like oh how good is it gonna feel when this man sees this pregnant woman passing him (laughs) like you know you start to get a little bit kind of competitive (laughs) and kind of almost kind of wanting to show off a little bit like look at what I can do but then I will say the last few weeks my body started to come back again and warn me like hey you do remember what we're doing here right um because become more uncomfortable Uh, I've had some kind of tightness in different areas that, you know, if let's just say if I was still training hard, if I'd have had areas of tightness like this, I would have been freaking out thinking that I was getting injured. So Mm -hmm. you have to learn to listen to your body. And overall, you always have that thing of, you know what, 
I'm building a child, I'm making a child. So that always brings you back down, but you just have to remind yourself of it a little bit yeah. more in the in the middle stage there. <laughs> of course, of course. So I want to spend some time on running for real. You know, you mentioned it just briefly earlier in this conversation. But okay, so if people don't know what that is, or they're kind of, they're listening to you right now, and they're hearing about your story for the first time, why don't you first brief our listeners on what it is? And then I want to ask you some questions about that. Yeah, sure. And thank you for bringing that up. So yeah. Basically, it came down to when I was working for Runners Connect online coaching company, I noticed that there was a lot of, you know, race results and things like that around, you know, I ran this, I had a great race, but there wasn't really in the in the running world that much where people were saying, you know, what, I'm injured again, I'm so sick of going on the bike or you know, saying I'm having a hard time with this, uh, but you know, I'm going to make it through. And, and so I decided that I wanted to kind of go out and give people a place where they could be honest and open and kind of share the funny things, you know, the things like diving into a bush to go to the toilet or the bathroom, because you can't possibly like wait until you get home, you know, (laughs) the funny things that runners do rather than just kind of showing these amazing accomplishments that, generally, even though they do make us feel good in the moment, other people, it gen- it makes them feel bad. It makes them feel insecure. Um, and we feel it ourselves when we look at other people's, what seems like perfect mm-hmm. life. So I wanted to create this place where people could be real with one another. And, you know, I've always, I've always prided myself on doing that. I mean, you can hear that from the, the answers mm-hmm. I've given you so far. But yeah, so I started to create this community on Facebook. I called it the Running for Real Superstars because mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to feel like they are a superstar and everyone is. Everyone is unique and is wonderful and just beautiful as a person, just as they are. And so I started to create this place and it started off kind of small, but now it's nearly 3,000 people and everyone is just friends. You know, Mm -hmm. they make fun of each other. They've never met, but people just have fun and kind of share the silly things or share a photo of chafing that happened. And it's just become this place where people can be honest and just have a bit of fun with other runners who understand them. Um, and then I also have the podcast, the Running For Real podcast, which has done pretty well. And, and I'll bring, you know, guests like scientists and elite runners and um, psychologists, mm-hmm. but I'll make them be real as well and make them share their, you know, the actual things that they struggle with. So just kind of all around giving a more balanced view of what a runner is, not just showing all the, the high light reels. Right. It's basically the opposite of what people, how people manage their social media feeds, say, for example, or how a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but how a lot of people would, would sort of curate their Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And something that I wanted to ask about this topic of, you know, being real and stripping away the illusions and, you know, just coming out honestly and saying it was, I understand that you talk to a lot of women who are dealing with, you know, having interrupted cycles, dealing with amenorrhea, who have sort of, once you came out and started talking about it, they felt comfortable coming to you to ask questions. So I just want to know what your experience with these women has been like. I, you know, they sort of, a lot of people do sort of see you as the go-to person, uh, or they look up to you because they're struggling with it. They can't find information. They can't find other people who are talking about it. And there is someone who is saying it publicly and, and talking about it. Yeah. uh, So yeah, as you mentioned, I do offer consultations now, Mm -hmm. 30 and 60 minute um, consultations for people one-on-one and those are through Skype. And uh, I, you know, at the beginning, I wasn't sure whether this was something that people would be interested in because after all, I 
I'd shared everything I did online. I have a, a blog post mm-hmm. called My Ultimate Guide to Getting Your Period Back. And I, you know, had all these podcasts on the topic and everything. And I thought, I don't know if people actually want this because I've I've given them the answers. But then I found that people, a lot of the time, it was more about having someone to talk to, someone who understood and could listen and actually not just judge you and say, well, you know, family and friends may be meaning well, but, you know, like I would get comments from my family saying, oh, I can feel the bones in your back. And, you know, as much as that's, you know, you get what they're trying to say, Mm. it doesn't really make you feel very good because it makes you just feel like you don't get it with running or they might, you know, Mm. people might say, well, just stop. And it's not quite that simple. So I think it's a lot of it is having someone who understands and has been there and they know that I've been there and Mm -hmm. I've kind of shared it along the way. So yeah, it just ends up being kind of two friends, one kind of sharing their struggles and what they're going through and, and based on what I've been through and what I've learned. And I am generally pretty good at making people feel good about themselves and making them change their perspective. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of chime in and make them think about things differently and give them some advice on how to Mm. how to actually follow through with those things that I've recommended by kind of changing their mindset so I guess it's kind of like a life coach kind of thing Mm. because we look at all all the areas of their life not just the running or not just the eating aspects but what what are other things are bothering them and kind of coming into things in their life. Hmm. Yeah. And I guess it, it always helps when you have something like that to talk to someone who just gets it who has been there and who knows. So what are kind of some of the, you know, you said, okay, I already gave them all the advice. I already walked everybody through what I did. So when they come to you, what are kind of the common questions that you're getting or or common concerns that some of these women might be talking to you about? I think one of the hardest things that women in this situation struggle with, and I did too, is that as runners or people who you know, very type A, this is what I need to do. This is how I get there kind of people. We kind of like it when we're given a step-by-step guide. But with this, unfortunately, you can't just say, get to X pounds and your period will be back. Or, you know, you need to um, eat this many calories and that will be enough. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing about it is because there is no set number. You know, for one woman, it might be a case of, you know, two women the same way. One woman, it might take 10 pounds. One woman, it might take 20 pounds. So I think a lot of it is trying to get across to people that unfortunately, Mm -hmm. as much as we wish there could be a magic number, there is no magic number. So it's trying to talk to them to show them that it's only going to happen when you can let go of that, I can only get to X pounds or I will allow myself to gain this much weight, but then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to have to do something else. So usually once people let go of that thought and say to themselves, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. It actually comes back a lot faster because they've let go of that stress, which is, you know, I'm only allowing this. So that's the biggest one. Um, And then the other part of it is just reminding them of why they're doing this, thinking about the actual reason that they want to do this. I mean, we can all say that our long-term health is the priority, but that's really hard to think about when it's such a long way away. When we're in this world of like instant gratification that you can't just rely on, you know, I want to be healthier for my, for when I'm in my fifties. Oh yeah. So I remind them of what their, their why is otherwise, you know, maybe it's, I want to get pregnant and start a family or, 
you know, it's, I keep getting stress fractures and I'm fed up of it or whatever it is. So make them kind of really assess and figure out what their reason is for doing this. And then we can kind of work out how to get the best out of that so that it's the most effective. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. So I've been asking a lot of these questions with, you know, women in mind and women who are going through or have gone through something similar to you. But what about, there's got to be people who are listening who are the parents of, or the friends of, or the partner of somebody who is dealing with this. So I just want to ask you, you know, what kind of advice do you have for those supportive groups in a woman's life? You know, what are things that you should say? What are things that you shouldn't say? And and how? what's the best way to sort of be there and be helpful? No, and I'm glad you asked that because I think they, those people are the most important people around at that point. And, and they're feeling the stress too because, yeah. you know, it's not easy seeing someone you love struggling with something and especially during a recovery period like this. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I think the biggest thing, I mean, part of it depends on how they are mentally with the idea or the concept of gaining weight. If it is someone who is really going to struggle with gaining that weight, you know, maybe has had some issues with eating disorders in the past. I mean, that kind of person, you do not even want to mention the fact about um, gaining weight, anything to do with you look healthy, nothing like that, because it's just going to make them even though you're saying well wishing words it's going to make it worse if it if it's someone who doesn't mind like i kind of was in the mindset of i'm going to do this telling them how they look beautiful how they look trying to pick words that aren't you look strong or healthy or normal or whatever but trying to pick words that describe like the entire person as a whole like right. you you look radiant you look beautiful yeah. things that just could describe any anything those words kind of come into it. A lot of it is going to be taking them out to do mm. things. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you say, hey, let's let's go get those, you know, peanut butter pancakes or something right. that you can do together. And kind of then they don't feel so guilty because they're eating that food, but so are you. So, you know, you're doing it together and then doing other things with them. Um, I think the biggest part of this is the person has to remember that they are more than a runner. They are more than what they look like. So if you just want to spend time with them and go do things with them, things that make them feel good, like, hey, let's go get a pedicure together or, oh, do you want to go see that new movie that came out last week or you know, let's go for a coffee and just have a catch up. The more Mm -hmm. you can remind them of how good of a person they are and how much they have to offer this world and just build them up with their confidence about anything except the physical aspect of them, that is only going to help. Because I think one of the things I like to have people do is write a joy list and all the things that they really enjoy to do, but maybe haven't been able to because of their running or just haven't done. Just suggesting other things that will make them feel good about themselves is is only going to help. Yeah. And I like how what you're saying, it sort of seems to emphasize, you know, supporting the full person rather than just the person as a runner or the person as a woman who is trying to gain her weight back and get healthy or get pregnant rather than fragmenting your par- the different parts of your life. It's you're talking about supporting everything. OK, so this has been really helpful. Before I let you go, though, I do want to ask you about future goals in terms of your running and also just about post-pregnancy plans and kind of like what's the next chapter of your life going to be looking like? Part of it is as unknown. Uh-huh. I would like to think I have a um, comeback in there somewhere. But at the same time, I am absolutely not going to force it. 
if I start running again and think, you know what, just I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to force myself to do it just to prove a point. And I am absolutely adamant I'm not going to rush it. Like, I do not want to be one of those women who ends up with a stress fracture in their pelvis six months after giving birth because tried to rush back. So I'd mm-hmm. like to take the first six months just soaking it in as much as I can and then running a little bit. And the way I see it going is maybe jumping in a race somewhere if I enjoy it and it goes well and to kind of get that feeling back again, then maybe mm-hmm. I'll say, okay. Like, let's give this a go. But again, if it's if it's not happening or if I'm just kind of, you know, enjoying where I'm at, then I just will kind of take it day by day, jump in races, not really plan for any races and kind of see what happens. So I would love love to get back and race at a competitive elite level. But, you know, I've done enough to where I'm proud of myself and would be happy if, you know, it didn't feel right to do to do that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And what about post-pregnancy plans? And what are you kind of like looking forward to most as as a family? Actually, my husband and I were talking about this the other day. One of our birthing classes had a question which said, you know, what are you most excited about? And we sat and talked about it for about 15 minutes. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to to actually saying a family because, you know, you're you're a couple before. And it's nice being that, you know, you can be a family and even just the silly little things for me. It's more thinking about going out to the to the grocery store. And hopefully my little girl is going to be one of the little girls that, you know, we all see in the grocery store, like clinging on to her dad. And then you just think, oh, that's so cute. I, I'd love her to be that. And so I'm looking forward to things like that and do hope someday I can be out running and she can want to do it with me and say, you know, I want to do my first race and race a mile or something. And um, hopefully she will kind of see that that will show her that you can do anything you put your mind to. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her hopefully grow into a, a good, genuine person. And and then when it comes to what I'm doing, I mean, I, I, I'd love to continue doing this running for real stuff, kind of what I'm doing. I'd love to go travel the country or the world, maybe giving talks and kind of inspiring others but obviously that's not up to me it has to be mm-hmm. up to people wanting me there but I'd love to kind of help other people to on their journey to whatever they want to be well I think that's such a perfect note to wrap this up on thank you so much Tina oh no thank you it was it was great to chat okay so we would like to thank Tina for being on the show again thank you for listening this week Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you did enjoy listening to this, please review it on iTunes at The Shakeout Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Shakeout Podcasts. We are bringing you this podcast weekly, and if you like it and wonder how you can support us, please subscribe to the magazine either in print or the digital edition. This certainly helps us and allows us to bring you this great content. Thanks for listening.